And so this entire conflict literally traces back to this sibling rivalry that we see at, um, at the very beginning. Welcome to the Mama Bear Apologetics Podcast. A podcast where we teach you to roar like a mother. And by roar, we mean recognize the message, offer discernment, argue for a healthier approach, and reinforce these ideas with your kids. Unless you want to growl around your house. I mean, that's cool too. <laughs> You're like, check it, we keep it reals. <laughs> that's so bad. You're awesome. Mama Bear Apologetics is a listener-supported program, so if you like what we do, head on over to the Mama Bear Apologetics website and click support. It's time to rise up, ladies. Rise up, Mama Bears. This might not affect your faith, but it might affect your children's. Welcome to another episode of Mama Bear Apologetics. I'm Hillary. And I'm Amy. And today we have a guest with us, David Walcott. So the, the David Walcott is probably one of the, the best known apologists that you've never heard of <laughs> because, because all of us uh, have used him for helping with research. And so um, since he's done a lot of this research, we're keeping him on the call with us just so that uh, he can we can double check, make sure we're saying everything correctly. Um, and just for him to add in a couple other things. But so we're going to be talking about a really dicey issue today. And so I think we did this last time when we did the BLM. This is what my pastor does. He's like, I need an umbrella of grace. So right now, everybody, we need an umbrella of grace that we're going to do our best to um, do well on this topic. I can't remember if I said it or not. We're going to do a crash course in the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. So umbrella of grace, we are doing, we have researched as much as we can right now, but be able to explain to you mamas if your kids are asking questions and they're hearing things on all different sides and they don't know who to listen to because everybody wants to call everybody misinformation, right? Um, and so we're going to talk about kind of understanding the history to start out with, because I think understanding the history is going to help us understand what's going on right now. So we're going to be looking at some of the terminology. One of the things that you know, if you've ever heard the devil's in the details, and especially as we've talked about linguistic theft is sometimes people are using words and they're using them completely differently. So like the the phrase from supposedly from Voltaire, if you wish to converse with me, first define your terms. So we need to see how people are getting all of these terms messed up. And so how we can understand kind of what the heck people are talking about in the first place. And then we're going to be looking at who has the right to the land? Um, because ultimately, that is what the Israeli-Palestinian conflict is about, is about the land. Um, and so we're going to be kind of doing a crash course in that. We're going to be looking at it through the Bible, and then we're going to be looking at it through history. Now, before I go any further, I just want to say that a lot of the information that we're having here is done by... This is not an endorsement of any way for all the things that this person does. And I'm just going to say this was like three hours of content put into 45 minutes because he talks so fast. And if you already know who I'm talking about, I'm talking about Ben Shapiro. <laughs> um, and he did. And the interesting thing was he didn't even do this video like when this conflict kind of really blew up recently. He, this was actually from two years ago. Um, so this wasn't him in a reactionary state. This was him. Um, really trying to give a history 
of this conflict. And when this this um, video was sent to me, and we'll link to it in the podcast notes, um, I was like, this is a lot of good information. So that's when I contacted David and I said, is there any way you can go through basically all of his stuff and cite primary sources on each of these? So it's like, not only do we have Ben Shapiro saying it, he's done a lot of research, Ben Shapiro is Jewish, but we also have an independent person David Walcott saying, let's put this kind of in an outline form and let's hyperlink to all the independent, um, all, all the original sources for this to make sure it's being properly um, treated, that he's not misspeaking, that he's not saying that this agreement says something that it actually said. So this is something that possibly in the future, we might make this document available to our donors. Uh, it's a very comprehensive document. He's not even finished with it yet, but that's just kind of what we have possibly coming up. So I'm just going to say a prayer over this real quick, just because, I don't know, I'm just feeling the spiritual, just warfare. This is a spiritual battle. It is a spiritual battle. And if we, if we don't understand that this is first and foremost a spiritual battle over the land in the Middle East, I think that we're not going to understand what's actually going on. So, <sighs> Father God, we thank you that you are the God that knows everything from the beginning to the end, from the end to the beginning, Lord. You were the God of truth. You were the God of people, Lord, that you have people from every tongue, tribe, and nation. You have people within Israelis. You have people within the Jews. You have people within the Palestinians. You have people everywhere, Lord. And so we pray, God, that we would be giving a faithful representation to this. We pray that anything that we speak that is taken incorrectly, Lord, that people would just know that we are doing our best to fairly and ac accurately represent this topic, um, and that they would give us a banner of grace. And if they have questions, that they, they would send them along. But Lord, I just pray that um, anyone who's listening to this, Lord, I just pray that your spirit of peace would come upon them. And that uh, you would go before us in this battle, Father God. Protect the, the technology as we go through this. We praise you, God, for being the God who is faithful to a thousand generations. In your name I pray. Amen. So, Amy, one of the biggest things that's um, going on is everybody's using words and everybody's disagreeing on what the words are. So what, what is one of the words that you've heard kind of circulating that you hear two people using in two different ways? Oh gosh. And the one that comes to mind is, uh, Palestine in reference to, oh, this is Israel's war against Palestine. Mm -hmm. And there is a tension there because wait a second, is it with Palestine? I thought it was with Hamas. And mm. so that's the one where I see people conflating these two to where are we talking about the terrorist group Hamas? Is that Palestine? Is Palestine Hamas? You know, that's where we're seeing a lot of trouble. And like you mentioned with linguistic theft, some of the ways is trying to conflate two words together to really yeah. cause sort of this division. So I think that's probably one of the, of an important distinction for us to make is when this discussion is going around, it's actually Israel responding to an attack from the terror group Hamas. Mm -hmm. Hamas is not Palestine or the, the whole, sum total of the Palestinian people in yes. and of themselves. They are in fact a terror group. Yeah. So let's also talk about why people are conflating this. And one of the reasons why they're conflating this is there's a lot of people who might be pro-Palestinian pro people mm -hmm. who avidly and absolutely condemn Hamas. However, yeah. there is also a very, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to call it a major or majority or whatever. I'm just going to say it's a very vocal <laughs> group. Yeah. And especially on college campuses, 
that are conflating Palestine with Hamas, that they are calling Hamas, that they are freedom fighters and saying, um, these are the people of our resistance. They are, you, you cannot judge the way we're trying to resist the Israel occupiers. And so they are conflating it. So often people are fighting with this um, definition because some people are conflating these two groups as being one and the same, and other people are able to distinguish. I would say for the purpose of this podcast, we are absolutely going to distinguish between the Palestinian people versus Hamas. Now, one caveat that we have to make is that Hamas is the ruling body. I think the last time they had elections, uh, especially in the Gaza Strip, was like 2007, where Hamas came in and they took control, and they have not had elections ever since then. So we do have, in terms of political power, Hamas is the political power. But again, that's still different from the Palestinian people. Where did this conflict really start? Jews and Arabs. So let's talk about the history of Jews and Arabs. So this really legitimately, when, when people are asking where did this conflict come from, this is like legit the oldest family conflict of all time, because yeah. this traces back to Isaac and Ishmael. So we're going to read a couple passages here uh, from Genesis 12, 2 and uh, Genesis 17, 4. And I'm going to make a point that I've never heard anybody else make. Maybe somebody else has made it before, but I would like to make it uh, just in case. So Genesis 12, 2 is where God originally gave Abram, before he changes his name to Abraham, the promise. Um, and it says in 12, 2, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, um, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. Mm -hmm. So he gives him this promise saying, um, you know, I know that uh, you are in, you and your wife are infertile right now, but I'm going to make you into a great nation. Now, as, as we know, he had to wait for a really, really long time until he started going, maybe God had a different plan. Maybe it's not with Sarah, with Sarai at the time that I'm supposed to do this. So that's when Abram um, Sarai said, won't, won't you take my maidservant, Hagar? So we're going to jump ahead to 17.4. And this is where the promise is given again, but I want you to listen to the difference in the text. Um, Abram fell face down and God said to him, as for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. Notice the first time it was, you will be the father of a great nation, now, after Ishmael is born from Hagar, he says, you will be the father of many nations. These are right now the two nations that we have coming from Jews and Arabs. This is legit the descendants of Isaac and Ishmael. And so the question, and especially as we go into Islam, is which one is the child of the promise? Who is the promise fulfilled through? Because normally the promise is fulfilled through the firstborn, but God did not give this promise to Abram uh, and Hagar. Theoretically, he gave it to Abram and Sarah. And so this entire conflict literally traces back to this sibling rivalry that we see at, um, at the very beginning. Um, the Bible identifies the line through Isaac as the promise. Um, so in 1719, um, God said, yes, but your wife, Sarah, will bear you a son and you will call him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his uh, descendants after him. So anytime we see the genealogies in scripture, it is always starting with 
Isaac, not with Ishmael. Verses in the Quran, um, actually, correct me if I'm wrong on this, David. Um, I know that Muslims say that the promise went through Ishmael. Was there a specific spot in the Quran where it says it goes through Ishmael, or is this something that um, is just common knowledge within Islam? Uh, I believe that came from the Hadith, and the reason I say that is um, there are a number of passages in the Quran that specify Abraham, Isaac, and Ishmael as prophets. Okay. Um, but I don't believe the Quran explicitly lays out Ishmael as the promise. Okay. But um, Muslim sources do testify that uh, Muhammad came through or came as a descendant of Ishmael. Okay. Yeah. And you also, if you want to ever go into scripture and see the Edomites, um, the Israelites kind of come across the Edomites on several occasions. And I think God says, basically, this is your, your brothers. Don't, don't be at war with them. Um, the, the Edomites are the de descendants of Ishmael as well. Um, so here's another confusion that people have. And we're going to talk about the difference between the different definitions of Israeli and the different definitions of Jews. So and, is, and this is where, of course, people are like, the Israelis this, the Israelis that. Okay, well, which one are you talking about? Um, anyone who's a citizen of Israel is considered an Israeli. So you can be from America and have an Israeli citizenship, and you're Israeli. You can be an Arab, meaning a descendant of Ishmael, and be a citizen of Israel, and you are considered an Israeli. Um, now, there's a different definition where Israeli is referring to specifically Jews, who are citizens of Israel. So when people are talking about Israelis, it's important that you ask, which ones are you talking about? Um, and the same thing with Jew, um, Jew is we have people that are Jewish that are ethnically and religiously Jewish. So not only are they uh, descendants of Isaac, they, they know that they're Jewish, um, but they also are practicing. Someone might say a practicing Jew. Um, and they religiously identify as Jewish. Now we have others who are culturally and ethnically Jewish, but they are either secular, they're atheist. Um, they really have nothing to do with Jew, um, Judaism in terms of a religion. And so they can call themselves Jew, but they are just talking about ethnically. So Amy, what about, I know one of the things that you brought up earlier was Zionism. So what are some of the confusions that you see going on with the concept of Zionism? I know initially when the term was used, I started seeing it come up in the news. I thought it was kind of this, you know, crazy cult. But at its <laughs> core, Zionists believe that Israel is the nation of the Jewish people and that that is where they belong. It's their their heritage, right? And we can track that all the way, like you had said, all the way through scripture. I mean, we're talking 14th uh, or excuse me, 15th century. We see the Jewish claim on the land of Israel that has been given to them by God. Mm -hmm. And so Zionists, especially as our creeping up in the late 1800s, I believe it was 1897, correct me if I'm wrong, David, and they were wanting to establish themselves as we need a homeland for the Jewish people, because as we were discussing prior to uh, this recording, is the Jewish people were kicked out of so many countries, dozens and dozens of countries. And at that point, they were like, you know what, we need to have a homeland. And so that's the goal of the Zionist movement is to have a permanent place for the Jewish people and given their heritage that Israel is their homeland. Yeah. And especially since the fact that I don't think people realize Israel's been kicked out of like every country at some point. Um, and, and there were points where they were kicked out of all the countries. I was reading a book that um, um, this girl had recommended to me the other day and it was, it takes place in world war two. And it was an actual event where this um, not cruise ship, but like, you know, 
what, what do you call it? It's like the Titanic, just a whatever, a ship. Yeah, I would call it a cruise ship. Liner. A cruise, yeah. a cruise ocean ship. liner. Yeah, thank uh, you. Ocean liner. Yes, thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's like I don't think they were, you know, playing games on the, you know, Lido deck or whatever. But um, <laughs> they they were uh, before Hitler came and took over certain parts, they were able to get out and they were trying to go to Cuba. And as they got there, um, all of a sudden, the, the Cubans said, nope, you're not allowed to come in here. So they sat in port for several days. And then they tried to get the Americans to let them disembark somewhere else. And they ended up going back over to Europe because there was nowhere they could go. Nobody would take them in. We see this when all the Jews were kicked out of Spain. We have a list of different places where they were kicked out of. So it's this idea that you have a people group that don't have anywhere where they can say, this is ours and we can't get kicked out of here. And so that is um, kind of where the Zionist movement came from, is them saying, we just need a place where we can't get kicked out of here. So David, maybe talk about what are some of the unhealthy ways that people are criticizing Zionism that isn't necessarily just the Jews deserve a homeland so they don't get kicked out? What's what's some of the, like, I think you were comparing it to like Christian nationalism. There's mm -hmm. like two different definitions. What would you say is the other definition of Zionism? So there's... Yeah, there's a difference between the cultural, we are a people group and we deserve a place to live, and a theological, God has promised us this land, therefore, theologically, this land is ours and we need it. And mm -hmm. that's a distinction I want to make because Theodore Herzl, who founded the World Zionist Organization, wasn't especially religious, yeah, but he wanted a people uh, or a land for his people, which makes perfect sense. And I think every people has a right to that. Yeah. Now, that's different from... Uh, some of the uh, extremists who are, you know, the temple's going to be restored and there's going to be the special sacrifices and Israel's going to go all, you know, blasphemous. That's a whole different level of Zionism. And we need to separate between the two. Yeah. Because even so it'd though it be, uses the same word, yeah, they're not the same. Yeah. It'd be the Zionism where we're saying we need to establish a theocracy again with the temple and with the um, uh, instituting of the sacrifice and all that stuff. Um which I'm not I'm, I'm not 100% sure if the same people that are wanting to have the the sacrifice and stuff are saying we need this to be the political theocracy or if they're just saying we want to be able to practice our religion again. Um, do you and know that's an important question to ask? I'm, yeah, I don't think they're the same, but uh, I'm sure there's some overlap. Yeah. So this brings us to like one of the most important things you can always ask when you're talking to someone and they're just kind of putting out these terms ask them to define it. This needs to be just something that rolls off of our tongue at every single point. Oh, okay, you, you talked about Palestine. What do you mean by Palestine? What do you mean by Palestinians? What do you mean by Zionist? What do you mean by Jews? Which type of Jews are you talking about? Which type of Israelis are you talking about? All of these are important questions because we are going to be talking past each other. Um, and it's, again, it's important that we be talking to our kids and asking them to, to make sure that people are defining their terms. And a lot of times this will slow the conversation down, which is always a good thing. And I think this is important too for, especially if you've got teenagers on social media, yes. TikTok ad, ad, activism is huge. And what you'll notice in these quick videos, whether they're on Instagram or whatever, is very often they are not defining their terms. Yes. And so that's where we want our kids, we want to encourage them to be like, okay, you're watching something, it's impassioned, that's good, we can empathize with emotion. However, what are they doing? What are they not doing? And if they're not defining their terms, you know, you could possibly get swept up into something that you don't really know what you're advocating for. Yeah. And so that's what you want to help your kids be 
watchful of is what are they defining? What are they assuming about another people group? What are the conclusions that are being made so that way they become good critical thinkers and then encourage them to do their research before they retweet? Because otherwise they could, again, get swept along with something that is untrue, false, or they just don't know a lot of the background. And so when it comes to social media, it's always good to go extremely slow, watch the video, listen to what they're saying, and then try to do the research, maybe even put in a comment. What do you mean by that? Just cocle them. Yeah, I think you you just really define just one of the things that we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to become angry. And I think social media really kind of almost gets it back. Let's be quick to quick to speak, quick to anger and slow to listen. Um, so just, yeah, defining the terms and just as many times as you tell your kids, what did they mean by that? Or ask your kids, what do they mean by that? If they start rolling their eyes and oh, you know what they mean? No, I don't know what they mean. When they're rolling their eyes, that's a sign you're doing something right. <laughs> just remember that. Absolutely. I always say that uh, the rolling of the eyes is always a good sign. It means you're doing something right. Well, maybe not always. So this kind of brings up the most important question. Well, Amy, what would you say is question number one that everybody is debating? You know, everybody's asking you know, who has rights to the land. It's kind of like, you know, that first dibs situation. Yeah. I know that's when this was going on. I'm like, okay, wait a second. Who has these rights? And one thing that I noticed, especially when doing research and looking up articles, whether it was news reports or, or uh, UN summaries, is it really depends on when you put the timeline. Because yes. if you're just looking at it from, or if it's just being presented from the early 40s or the early 1900s with the Balfour, um, Balfour declaration, Balfour declaration. And so it really depends on where the timeline is because a lot of folks are saying, well, no, this was the land was handed over to, uh, to the Israelites and they wrongfully took it from the Palestinians. And depending on which date you picked, okay, it might look that way. But when you actually go back in history and you have to go really far back, pretty far back, the land actually was belonged to Israel from the very beginning. I mean, we're talking thousands upon thousands of years ago, and we yep. see these promises all the way back in Genesis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm going to bring y'all through a quick timeline. Hopefully, we can put these in our podcast notes just so you can have it. This is going to be a very brief timeline of the history of the land. Um, so between 2000 and 2200 B.C., Abraham is shown the land of the Canaanites. He's called from the land of Ur. God brings him to the land of the Canaanites and says, this is the land that I'm going to give you. So technically, if we wanted to go back in time, if there was some Canaanites out there saying, you know, we still had a Canaanite people group saying it's our land, you know, that would be a whole different issue, but we don't. So we don't have Canaanites anymore or anybody that identifies as that. So 2000 to 2200 BC, Abraham is shown the land of the Canaanites and God says, this is the land that I'm going to give you. Um, so he and his descendants kind of lived there for a while until this is when around 2100 BC, everybody leaves to go with Joseph. This is when the famine was in the land. Joseph had been sold into slavery in Egypt. So basically that whole clan moved there. And then as we all know the story, they, they multiplied and then got sold and then not sold into slavery, but were enslaved. So, but then they come back. And so this would be around 1300 BC. And that's when the Jews come back to conquer the land under Joshua. So kind of go through some of the, you know, 1000 BC, that's the time of David. So Jews clearly have possession of the land. We have several different times where Israel is exiled from the land. And according to the Old Testament, this is usually God's judgment because Israel's just kind of gone all wonky with other gods. 
Yeah. Um, and, and so when, yeah, I know. Right. And, and I mean, this is exactly what God said in, in Leviticus. He's like, do not do what they did in the land with the Canaanites. Otherwise I will, I will take you out of the land as well. You are not exempt from being expelled from the land. Um, so we have several different exile periods. So we need to understand though, that an exile period didn't take everyone. It's not like the entire nation. A lot of times I think it was more like the the higher political, the ones that kind of had more clout, but the people that were a bunch of nobodies, they're like, whatever, you can stay. Um, but it's not like anybody was coming in and taking over the land. It's more like everybody did a mass exodus, but nobody came in and said, well, this is ours now. That would be the difference between exile and conquering. When someone conquers, they say, I'm coming into your land and I'm taking over the land versus exile is when they're saying, we're taking all you out of the land and you're going to basically be under us in this other place. So we have uh, 722 was the first exile with the Assyrian exile. Again, not everybody left. We still have Jews in the land. Um, next one was 586 BC, and that would be the Babylonian exile. And this is kind of around the time with um, uh, Daniel, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, all of them. So the first time that we really have a conquering where we have people coming in and saying, this is our land, would be in 63 BC, and that's the takeover by the Romans. And so this is going to be a lot of Greeks coming in there, and this is where they're actually conquering the land. And this is the landscape that we see um, in the time of Jesus, where uh, the Israelites are considering basically the Romans are the occupiers, and they think that the Messiah is going to come and get rid of the occupiers and give them back the land. And clearly, that's not what Jesus had in mind. He he came to, to save them from their sins. Um, but that started in 63 BC, 70 AD, that's when we have the destruction of the temple. So this is where this is where this gets really interesting. So who else was in there? So we do have Arabs that are in this area. We have uh, we have Greeks, we have Romans, we have all the things, all the people. Where did the name Palestine come from? Yeah, so that was the the fun background of Palestine. It was actually it's uh, I, I believe another way of saying Philistia. So Philistines, yes. referring to the Philistines, which would have been completely abhorrent to the Jews. And what I thought was so interesting is that was kind of a a knock against the Jews. The Romans gave it pal the name Palestine as an insult to the Jews. So yes. just like with the sign above Jesus on the cross, King of the Jews, that was given mm -hmm. in mockery of the Jews uh, yeah. who had Jesus crucified. Here we have once again this name being applied to the Jews as a way of mocking them by the Romans. So one of the interesting things we, we need to know is that Palestine, this was done in uh, 135 AD when the Romans did this, it was meant to refer to the land, not to a people group. And so like, if we fast forward to like uh, 1977, uh, where we start seeing the concept of Palestinian comes from, so PLO stands for Palestinian Liberation Organization. And we have a quote from Zahir Musain. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Uh, I think it's Musain, but close. Musain. Yeah, okay. Uh, like Musain. Okay, that sounds better. So, this is the person who started the Palestinian Liberation Organization. Here's what he says about do we have a people of Palestinian, Palestinians? He said, the Palestinian people does not exist. The creation of a Palestinian state is only a means for continuing our struggle against the state of Israel for our Arab unity. So again, he's recognizing that the people there are just Arabs, um, but they know, well, I'll continue the quote. In reality, today there is no difference between Jordanians, Palestinians, Syrians, and Lebanese, only for political 
and tactical reasons do we speak today about the existence of a Palestinian people since Arab national interests demand that we posit the existence of a distinct Palestinian people to oppose Zionism. So basically he's saying we need to have a people with their own name and we're going to call them Palestinian because that's the only way that we can have a conflict between two people groups. We have to, we have to create a people group in order to basically get the Jews out. So the Palestinian Liberation Organization, their main thing is Jews out, done. No, there's no sharing, there's no coexisting. So when people talk about the Palestinian people, we have to recognize, number one, the, the name Palestine was just arbitrarily given to that region as, as a thumb in the eye to the Jews in 135 AD. But the concept of a Palestinian people did not exist. So David, would you say that the concept of a Palestinian people didn't exist till 1977? Is uh, that accurate? Just before then. So the PLO itself was started in, I want to say it was 1968. Okay. Um, but I'm actually going to do an engram search real quick to see if Palestinian people, um, when that was first used in history. Okay. We have, yep. 1944, 1945 is the first time we get a spike beyond virtual non-use of the term at all. Okay. So, so basically we can meaningfully the say, yeah, Palestinian people, we can meaningfully say didn't exist conceptually until the mid 1900s. Yeah. And again, we want to make sure that everybody's, we're giving as many sources as we can. So you can go and check this. So um, uh, David, will you say what, what website that you went to that was able to check that? Yeah. Uh, Google Ngram viewer. Uh, if you just How's do a Google spelled? search for uh, N-G-R-A-M. Okay. And if you just do a search for that, and then I did a search for Palestinian people. Mm -hmm. The time frame is 1800 to 2019. And legitimately, it has use through the 1800s, but uh, the numbers are uh, less than like a fraction of a fraction of a percent. Yeah. We don't get until... Yeah, any meaningful use until the mid-1940s. There's a spike, yeah. and then it grows up after that. Okay, so anyway, we're talking about our, our history. I'm going to just do a quick review of that. So um, 2000, 2200, Abraham showed the land. 2100, they all leave for Egypt. Jews come back and conquer the land. 1300, 1000, that's the time of David. 72, or 722, the first exile. 586, the next exile. 63, the only time we actually see the conquering, and that's by the Romans. Um, 135, the Romans call the land Palestine as a slap in the face. But it's not until, as we talked about in 48, that they started referring to this as the Palestinian people. So I think we can say right there um, that when you go back in history, that this land really has a good history of saying this is, this is the Jewish land. This is Israel's land. And so one of the things I would bring up, especially if you have teenagers or you have college kids, one of the things they're probably hearing on their college campuses is about reparations. So how far back do we want to do reparations? Because if we have the, uh, if, if they're saying, well, we need to have reparations because the, the, Israelis, the Israelis came into this Palestinian land. Well, how long ago, where do reparations start? What about reparations for the land that was originally Israel's? This would be a conversational opener yeah. with them. Not necessarily a gotcha, but it would be a conversational opener using the terminology that is already being circulated, probably among this demographic. 
Yeah. And I think that's a good tip for, for a lot of these discussions is when a claim is being made, like you had mentioned before, and we will include the link. There's a TikTok video of a woman who is saying, well, you cannot question the tactics that are being used within this war against Israel. Okay. Mm-hmm. Wait a second. If, if that's true, then aren't you not allowed to question the tactics that Israel is using against Hamas? That's yeah. where it's, it's one of those to where if it cannot be applied equally on both sides, there's a problem within the reasoning. Yep. So I know this was a lot of information to digest. So Mama Bears, I hope that this was a helpful kind of crash course in the history of the Palestinian-Israel um, conflict. Uh, Amy and I are going to continue on, but hopefully with maybe one or two podcasts that kind of explain things more. Like one of the, I think our next podcast is going to be, what are some of the most asked questions, things like, um, what does it mean for Israel to be occupiers? Because you keep hearing these phrases about occupation. Um, And then the big question that's kind of on everybody's mind, why can't we just do to the two-state solution? Has this been tried before? What about peace talks? Because there's a lot of people saying, we just need to talk this through. Has this been tried before? Has it been done before? And if it has, what happened to it? How far along did they get? And then we're going to also be going through just looking at culture and saying, like, one of the big questions people keep asking, and this is where a lot of the, I I would say the cultural conflict that we see going on in America going is, who is more at fault? Right. Um, And this is going to come back to the concept within critical theory, where we need to side with the group that is the most oppressed. And so now it's this competition of who is more oppressed. So Amy and I are going to talk about um, this. So I would say those are three of some of the main questions that, uh, that your kids might be having. We're going to try to address those well if we think of any more. In the meantime, we'll add those to that. Um, and also, we might put something out on Facebook and just say, what what are some of the questions that your kids are asking? And we'll do our best to, along with David, our researcher extraordinaire, because uh, he's awesome, um, try to answer some of those questions for you. So I hope this was helpful for understanding, especially like the biblical history and just the um, the historical aspect of the land of Israel in the first place. And I I can't end this podcast without saying, like, if we still want to ask the main question, like, why is this such a heated debate, is we cannot leave the spiritual out of this. That this, I remember hearing a pastor before saying that the land of Israel is like one-sixth of one percent of land in the Middle East. One-sixth of one percent. Why is the whole world focused on it. There is no explanation for this outside of the spiritual aspect. This this is this is a spiritual struggle. This is the place where God has said this is where I'm going to make my presence. This is where I'm going to live with my people. We see in Revelation the new city of Jerusalem coming down out of heaven and saying, this is where I will live with my people. This is a special spot to God. And because it's a special spot to God, it is a special spot to Satan. And we cannot forget this. So if there is one thing that we can get across to your kids, it's that this is a spiritual battle. So um, Amy, would you like to pray us out? Sure. Father God, we are so grateful that you are in complete control. And despite what's going on in the news and those fleeting moments of feeling overwhelmed or scared, we know, Lord, that we can rest in confidence of you because you already know the beginning from the end. And we have faith in your wisdom, your guidance. Help us to speak life to our children, that we will help them to think well when they are encountering the world. And we know, Lord, that we can stand firm in you because you are the ultimate confidence 
soldier, you've already won the battle and we are grateful to you. In your holy name, Lord. Amen. Amen. And special thanks to David Walcott for all his hard work with us. Absolutely, David. You're amazing. Happy to help. This has been a Mama Bear Apologetics recording. To learn more about Mama Bear Apologetics, please visit us on the web at www.mamabearapologetics.com. We hope you learned a little more about how to sift through ideas, accept the good, reject the bad, and now you can go teach your kids to do the same. Do you have any questions or maybe some ideas about future podcast episodes? Send us an email to askthemamabears at gmail.com and we'll do our best. Rise up, ladies. Rise up, Mama Bears. We are all in this together.